Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, Freckled Foodie fam. Welcome back to another solo podcast episode. Um, This one has been one that I've been like having in my back pocket for a week where I just have a lot going on and I'm tired and I don't have the like wherewithal to fully organize, like go through notes, really use my brain to do like an in-depth solo episode. And I am pretty freaking tired. Um, I just feel the summer, I actually always feel this way in the summer. And I think it always hits like right around July because it's that middle point where like, I'm still excited for everything ahead, but I've noticed that it's begun happening where I feel just like constantly behind in the summer because there's so much going on for us. Like we just have plans, a lot of plans. And when there's stuff that's happening on the weekend, I just feel like I'm constantly playing catch up and it's all really fun stuff. It's stuff I'm so excited by. I am so grateful and excited for all of the stuff we have going on. I just feel like I'm constantly like treading, trying to stay above water with my personal life, my social life, work, like everything. So I just feel like a lot, a lot is going on. So today's episode is going to be an ask me anything because I needed your guys' assistance and honestly having a conversation, <laughs> having a conversation. So we'll see where this episode episode takes us. I also want to say that there are a few topics I have that I definitely want to do solo episodes on. And I've kind of hinted at some, but intimacy and sex life postpartum. Um, I, I want to dive in again to like the decision to not drink. And I think maybe that'll be next week or the week after, but what that looks like for me personally right now, also when it comes to cannabis and all of those things. With these solo episodes, I am trying to do like a mix of parenting and non-parenting. So I do want to talk about like social media and parenting and mom guilt and comparisons, as well as I mentioned intimacy post-baby. But then I also want to talk about some non-parenting topics like post-grad reflections, um, life pre-freckled foodie, what I wish I did differently in my 20s how to stop comparing your timeline to others, setting boundaries, um, like having conversations with your family and setting boundaries when it comes to diet culture. So, oh, making friends and friend breakups. There's a lot coming. And I asked you guys for feedback on like topics you wanted. And those are a handful of them. I also, this is so interesting for me. And eh, do I regret doing this? I'm not sure. Um, I asked, if you don't listen to the show, like, can you provide any constructive reason of why? And this is where I get caught up in the, like, it's helpful to have feedback, but at the same time, I can't please everyone. So then it's like, okay, well, whose feedback do you listen to? And majority of the feedback was like, I just am not a podcast girl, which, look, I get. It's really hard to bring people onto platforms if they're not already on them. Um, The other thing was like, I listen to podcasts strictly for news. I'm never going to tell you to listen to my show over like the daily or anything like that. So I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Um, if you have time for extras, sure, add it in, but do not make me the priority. But then there are ones that's like, 
you know, I wish you talked less about being a mom. And I'm like, I fucking get it. If I wasn't a mom, my parenting episodes would be like, this is so annoying. Or not annoying, I just can't relate. But then there are ones that are like, I wish you would talk more about being a mom. And that's where I'm like, look, I can't please everyone. So I'm just going to continue to do what I'm enjoying and what makes me happy. And hopefully we will find people along the way that agree. And if you're listening to this, I assume you're one of them. So I love you and thank you for listening. Okay. Let's let's play a little Ask Me Anything. Come on in, take a seat, pour a drink, pass one to me. Frickle food, and friends, talking about life sides and ends. Throw away your hesitations, have unfiltered conversations. If you've got an ear to lend, here's Frickle Food, and friends. All right. Some of the questions, there were a lot of questions about booze and like mushrooms and weed and all of that. But I do think that I'm going to make that a separate episode. So we're going to bench all of those. Uh, we'll We'll start with a heavy hitter. When did you start medication and were you on it during your pregnancy? So for those of you who have been following for a long time, I have been struggling with anxiety since I came out of the womb. Um, I've always been an anxious person, but I felt like majority of my childhood and like early adolescent, I was this high performing anxious person that I just thought this was kind of like what everyone felt. And I didn't think that there was anything different or like that I needed to do. And then post-college when I graduated and I started working in sales and trading and the environment was very fast paced and intense. And it just was like catering to all of my anxious behaviors that it, I think got more intense. And that was also, I think, when I started to have more of like leaning onto the depressive side. And I initially went on medication. And I say initially because there's a little bit of a difference. Well, not difference, but I think it's important for the timeline story. I initially went on medication in, I want to say like June 2018. I honestly, no, I could be very wrong about that. Hold on. Okay, yeah, I was very wrong. I just went back. And of course, because my entire life is documented on my Instagram feed, I found the post. September of 2019. The reason I was confused is because my accident happened in March of 2018. And I remember the reason I went on medication for the first time was because I was still having really bad like post-concussion symptom headaches. And it was my neurologist who gave me the prescription originally. So I thought it was like right after the accident, but then I remembered it was like later after. So September 2019, I'd been struggling with headaches for a while. I remember being in my doctor's office, my neurologist, and my mom came with me because A, like she wants to be involved if she can, but B, it's one of those things where this was like something that was so triggering to me, my concussion. It just felt like I was at a loss and I couldn't do anything and all of these doctor's appointments felt really overwhelming and I felt like I was leaving with no answers and she wanted to be there to like help me, I guess. And I remember him asking, well, are you anxious? And I'm like, no. I mean, I knew I was anxious, but I just had a hard time, I guess, explaining it or admitting it. Or I think I was so wrapped up in this, like I had quit my job to do Freckled Foodie full time. And for me, I thought like that was everything I, had wanted over the past few years. And so I was like, well, when that happens, I'll be so happy. I'll be carefree. I'll be like living my best life. And it was not at all the case. 
and I was more anxious and I was like, this is not what was supposed to fucking happen. And I think I was holding on to that and there was a lot of anger and frustration tied into that. And so because of that, I felt I wasn't able to, I guess, admit that I was more anxious. Either way, I started amitriptyline because that medication was helpful for post-concussion symptoms, specifically headaches. And I say that because I was on that from September 2019. I was on it for a year because then, or about a year, in August of 2020, I, or in July of 2020, I had the conversation with my OBGYN where I was like, I know that you said you won't want me on amitriptyline while I'm pregnant. Should I go off of it now to then get on a medication that we like so that when I initially, whenever I do get pregnant, I can just stay on the medication. So that was our plan. So I went off amitriptyline around July 2020 and the plan was to see how I felt, then go on a new medication, and then try to get pregnant. As you know, if you follow me, we had a surprise pregnancy. So I was not on medication when I started my pregnancy. Um, My anxiety was severely intense. My first trimester to the point where I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't able to think, I wasn't able to do things. I felt like it was the most all-consuming anxiety I'd ever felt before in my life. And that was when I started working with a psychologist who was able to prescribe me medication. And that's when I started Zoloft. That was a really long way of answering this question. But this, the latter part of the question, were you on it during your pregnancy? Yes. I think I started around week like 10, maybe even earlier, 9. Um, so I was on Zoloft throughout my entire pregnancy. I increased my dosage twice while I was on my pregnancy and then once postpartum. And I'm still on that dosage. So... Yay, medication. I mean, I will say, like, I, yes, I do a lot for my mental health and I make it a priority, all of the other things, but medication is something that I can confidently say changed a lot for me and potentially saved my life. Um, okay, let's get into some others. Completely switching topics. Any advice for someone who is 36 and hasn't orgasmed by oneself or with a man? I think there are, I, I do think that there's a larger population than like we're aware of, of females, I will speak because I know this is a female that submitted this, who have struggled with this. And I think that maybe people don't feel as comfortable talking about it. Um, what I will say is that my piece of recommendation would be is if you're struggling to have an orgasm, I would think that it is more successful, beneficial, and useful for you to like try and do stuff on your own first to figure out what's working before putting on the pressure of like another person doing it for you. Um, I don't know if you've tried, but obviously a big proponent of toys. I will put the link in the show notes for what I believe is like the best clitoral vibrator and what all of my friends will back up as that being also. I also think like this is so dependent on who you are and like what matters to you. Are you someone that like wants to set a stage of sorts and like who enjoys the foreplay and the buildup? Then like if that's on your own, like create that in a way, whether it's a like spicy movie that you know you love or one of my like crazy romance novels that I'm obsessed with to set the stage for you personally or whether it's porn, you know, I do think it's hard to give advice for someone if I don't know who you are and like what you love. But I also think like letting go of the focus 
of having an orgasm because I know personally whenever whenever there's like such a focus on it or a pressure or you feel rushed like that's when it's not going to happen or going to happen way more rarely. So I almost think going into it with the idea of like I'm just here to have fun and like do some things that make me feel good rather than this like big focus on this massive achievement that you have to have. Um, I would think that would help mentally. I also have not personally read this book, but there is a book called Come As You Are that I have heard very good things about. And I did have a guest on um, Shan Boudram where we talk like all about sex and she recommended it. And I actually think if I recall, this was like when I was pregnant. So it was a long time ago when we recorded it. But I remember we talked about this. So I will also put that in the show notes if you're interested in listening to that. Um, What did you do before Freckled Foodie? I guess I touched on this when we talked about my medication, but I was in sales and trading for five years at JP Morgan where I interned for two summers while I was in college. Um, It was the sales and trading department. And if you want to get like nitty gritty about it, I was in the municipal sales team. So we were selling municipal bonds to institutional clients. Um, I don't really think people care more about that topic of like what I actually did, but that's what I did. So I was there from 2013 to 2018 and left to start Freckled Foodie full time, which feels like so long ago, but I actually said it to someone recently and they were like, oh my God, that's not that long at all. And I was like, really? Okay. Um, Getting fit for my wedding. Do you have any advice for the brides to be the body dysmorphia is real? So we talk about this in the most recent episode. We touch on it a bit with Victoria Carrick, I don't know why I just said her last name so weirdly, Victoria Garrick. But I will say that like the the focus and pressure when it comes to everything body in the bridal industry is so fucking insane. It's like this immense amount of pressure that it's the best you ever have to look on this one day and somehow that's the important thing, which is so not true. You're deciding to spend the rest of your life with someone. Like that is a huge deal. That should be the focus. You and your partner deciding that you are going to be there for each other for the rest of your lives. That is the important thing, not what you look like. So what I will say is, when it comes to body dysmorphia, A, remembering that really the most important thing is you and your partner and this day and this like celebration of love and this commitment to one another. Secondly, rem- like tell yourself you are fucking beautiful because you are. Like stand in front of a mirror, strip down if you have to, and affirm your body. Tell different parts of your body why you love them, why you are so grateful for them, how incredible they are, what they do for you. Like your legs. Thank you legs for allowing me to dance all night long at my wedding. Okay. Thank you belly for allowing me to eat all of the food I want to at my wedding night and to be able to like have the capacity to pull up air. I don't know if this is true, but to get the air out from my belly, out of my lungs, out of my throat, to yell with my friends on the dance floor at an after party. Thank you, arms, for allowing me to hug my partner and dance with everyone I love. Like, there's so much to be grateful for and affirm, and our bodies, we should be seeking, or we should be giving them so much gratitude rather than critiquing them. When it comes to your fitting for your wedding, I know that numbers can like trigger a lot for people. If that's you, if there's a way to ask like 
I don't really care to know the numbers. Obviously, I get that the tailor has to take notes and they have to know what's going on. But like you can say to them, look, I'm really trying to not let any of this get into my head. If you don't mind just like silently marking down the things without saying them aloud, I would really appreciate that because there's no need for me to know. And there isn't a need for you to know. And if anyone is around you that's commenting on your body in a negative way or like playing into this, this is now more than ever the time to set that boundary. You can literally say verbatim, hey, going into my wedding, I really want to focus on the celebration of me and XYZ, whoever your partner is, and our love for each other and the celebration with all of our friends and family. My weight is really something I don't want to be thinking about. It's not the focus topic for me. So I'd appreciate if you didn't comment on it or make comments like whatever they just said. I hope that helps. Uh, And I also hope you have a fucking amazing wedding. Switching gears to motherhood for a bit. Um, What is slash was your biggest hurdle in new motherhood? Oh, Lord have mercy. I think for me, it's the like never ending, not exhaustion, but like the inability to hit pause. Maybe that's what it is. And that goes in like many ways. The like inability to hit pause when you feel like you're on such a high and you're loving this like moment in time, whether it's a 30 minute window where you're doing something really fun or it's a month of a certain age that you're loving or whatever, maybe you like a a cuddly nap with your newborn, like that never, never being able to hit pause where I'm like, I want to fully remember every single fucking second of this. Like I want it ingrained in my brain to tap back into because this is pure bliss. And like this feeling of nostalgia for the present because you know that like it is limited in the sense like they're not going to be this age forever at all. And it does go by quickly. And there's that feeling of like, I just wish that like I could live in this moment forever. So it's that, but it's also the inability to hit pause to just simply for me feel like I catch up on my life. Like I would just love to hit pause where I could have 24 hours to do all of the personal stuff in my life that I feel behind on, whether it's around our apartment or just like stupid things, like literally dealing with Liam's medical bill from the urgent care that's atrocious and now is a headache. Like even those types of things. And then simultaneously also having 24 hours to hit pause where I can just be in a dim, very cold hotel room by myself with room service and a TV. Like that is my dream right now, those 24 hours. Um, I just think that it's like the all-consuming aspect of it in the positive and in the exhausting way is very overwhelming because it does feel... Yeah, I mean, it. it is. It's just, it's a lot. And it's it's 24-7. Um, I think that's what has definitely been the hardest for me to navigate, especially when it comes to work. Like, I have a very hard time, like, compent, mar- compent, Jesus, what is the word? Compent, mar- comp- compartmentalizing? Wow. Compartmentalizing. Compar- uh, hold on. I literally just had to do, like, a Google play compartmentalize okay we're done we're moving on because if I were listening to this I'd be driving and going insane um but that has definitely been one of the hardest things for me um 
do you have thoughts on friends going childless by choice? I do not have any friends right now who are going childless by choice. That could potentially change, but I fully support anyone who decides to do this. I think it's outrageous for anyone to have an opinion on someone else's decision on this topic. And I hate, I actually have a friend who has like toyed with this idea is not positive. I don't think um, where she'll say it to people and other people who have had kids will be like, Oh, you'll change your mind. Like that is so condescending and rude. If you do not want to have kids, you should not have kids. Like it is that simple. I think that's an amazing decision to make for yourself. If it, it's fully dependent on you and your partner and what your life looks like and what you want. And if that does not involve kids, then you shouldn't have kids. I think it's that simple. Um, hence why I think this entire situation that's happening or happened with Roe v. Wade is insane because you should decide whether you want to become a parent. It should not be something that is forced on you. Um, so I don't have friends that are doing that as of right now that could change. Um, but I would fully support anyone who makes that decision and my opinions would not change on them one bit. If anything, I think it's a very empowering decision to know what you want to do. Maybe it's against the grain of society and do it anyway. Like, more power to you. And also, after becoming a parent and realizing how all-consuming and demanding it is, if it was something I did not want, I cannot fathom how this past year would have gone down. So I think it's something that you definitely should be interested and looking forward to because it is a lot. Um how are you at this stage in your life? Today, I'm, I'm tired. I will say in this current stage of my life, I'm really fucking loving it. I feel really good about work where I feel like I've finally gotten to a place where I've worked my fucking butt off to like pull back a bit and have things more come to me and feel less of this need to like go after, if that makes sense. Um, I also have come to terms with where I want to be when it comes to social media and not interested in being the like biggest or the best or like the number one. I'm very happy with my spot. I've talked about this a lot, but like the more eyes you get, the more room there is for criticism. And I'm not saying that I want criticism to like rule my life, but at the same time, like I would like to keep in my corner of like somewhat, I'm not private, but feeling like I had the option to be private. I just, I don't know, more eyes, honestly, have been starting to scare me more and more as I've grown, but also just like seeing what's happening to people I know very well. Um, so I feel very happy with work. I am utterly and all consumed by my love for Liam. Like it fucking pains me. I do not think that I ever could have imagined being so obsessed with a child and just, I'm enthralled by him. Like I literally am just in awe of who he is as a person and I feel so goddamn proud. I'm really happy with myself as a mom. I feel like I'm in an incredible place right now with Joe, which like has obviously been difficult in postpartum. There are many ups and downs and right now we feel really happy and I feel like there's that like rekindled young love, you know, we've moved out of the like throes of early postpartum where it's so focused on like keeping this baby alive and fully consuming all of your thoughts um and I just feel really happy with him and socially the summer has been so busy with like great things and really fun things and allowed me to fill my cup up with social things that I felt like I haven't had in so long um so I feel really good I'm very happy in this stage of my life I will say 
30 has been a great fucking year for me. Um, does your family have different political views from you? And if so, how do you handle that? For the most part, no. Well, yes and no, I guess, is like the main thing. Um, I've said this before, but I was technically like a registered Republican for the first, my first election, um, which was 2012. Um, and I switched parties, but I just feel like growing up, maybe it wasn't that it was like, I don't know, actually, this is a very interesting topic to unpack, but when I was growing up, it didn't feel like Republican and Democrats were as different in their beliefs as it feels in today's world. Maybe that's true. Maybe they weren't. Maybe everyone was a little bit more middle. Um, and recent things in our country have like sparked intense divides such as Donald Trump. Um, but also maybe I'm just naive and I was young and I had no idea what the fuck was happening in politics growing up, which is also very much the case. So I will say that like, yes, there are topics where maybe there are different political views, but like all of the things that I deeply passionately care about, we are aligned, if that makes sense. Um, that doesn't mean that like there aren't hard conversations that sometimes has to be had. And I think my biggest piece of advice for that, because I know a lot of people who have messaged me being like my parents don't believe in X, Y, Z, or like they disagree with this, 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 like where it's fundamental in my opinion, like human rights. I think the best way to handle that, which I don't always do in conversation with other people, not my family, but like people over DM or whatever, is to come from an experience of like, but this is how it's impacting me directly. I mean, Roe v. Wade, if you're a female listener, that's a very easy segue into this is how I'm now deeply impacted as a woman um, or as a person with a uterus. Like this now has a very large effect on me. And coming at it from that angle of being like, this is how it makes me feel. This is why I'm so hurt by it. This is why I believe in this. And like, knowing that you love me to this person, I would think that you would agree with those thoughts or I would think that you would vote this way to protect those rights. Um, that's how I think is the best way to get through to people that have different political views than you. Do I always do that? Absolutely not. Do I think it's the most beneficial? Yes, I do. Um, how do you feel? Or actually one more family thing. Can you talk about the different relationships you have with your both of your sisters? Did you all get along growing up and what is your age difference? So I think there's a lot of interest in my sister dynamics and I've always said like I would love to have Maddie on the show. She is just way more of a private person than Lucy is and than I am. So maybe one day it'll happen. But for right now, what I'll say is she's three, Maddie is three years older than me. Lucy is five years younger than me. Um, growing up, we definitely all went through phases. Like when we were younger, call it elementary school, middle school, Maddie and I were very close and Lucy was like so young that I was just like, you're, I was so mean. Like, I was like, you're so annoying. I would bribe her to leave my friends and I alone. Like, I would literally give her these like gemstone rocks and be like, I'll give you this if you don't come hang out with my friends. And then I would steal it back the next day and use the same rock to bribe her over and over. What a fucking brat I was. Um, and then I think, and I won't speak for Maddie and Lucy's relationship because that's, I mean, yes, they're very close, but like I can't speak for the inner dynamics because I'm not involved in that relationship. But 
then when we, I guess it was when Maddie went to college and I was still in high school, we had like a bit of a rough time where we just like butt heads a lot. We are very different people and it just, I don't know. It was like young family sister dynamics and then like our mom got involved. Like it was just dramatic. And that is when Lucy and I became much closer because at that point we were both like still at home. Maddie was off at college and I like Lucy had matured a bit where I wasn't like leave my friends and I alone. I was like, okay, you can hang out with us. Then post-college Maddie and I like rekindled our relationship and like got through whatever the shit that was like, I don't know, we were dealing with. I honestly don't even fully remember, but Then we became closer and we were living in the same building and we saw a ton of each other. Lucy was in college, so like our lives were definitely different than hers. Then Lucy graduated and now I feel like is probably when the three of us are in the best place over the past few years as like the three sisters, like all relationships all around because our lives are more similar in a way. Um, The relationships differ in the sense of like, I don't know, in like what I would think anyone would probably say is the middle it's confusing like Maddie as my big sister has like really great advice and like listening board for like serious topics if I'm dealing with something for work or as a mom or a relationship and all of those things Lucy is like the person I mean I spend more time with Lucy now because Lucy lives in New York Maddie lives in New Jersey but Lucy is like my sidekick if that makes sense we're very similar in many many ways and Maddie has like this like all-knowing knowledge where like she's like really I I don't know this is so fucking hard because I don't want to offend anyone because I feel like if I say anything good about my relationship with Maddie if Lucy heard it she'd be like well why do you think that of me and then the same way and I'm not saying that we are jealous at all the relationships between us I this is just middle child semantics where I feel like this torn between many roles as like little sister and big sister because I'm so protective big sister over Lucy and I feel more little sister role to Maddie does that make any sense okay what I would love is to maybe have both of them on for an episode together so stay tuned um when did having a baby get easier slash more fun so I'm assuming that if you put this in that you have a child I would say for me, it was month like eight to 12, month eight. That was a huge turning point for me, which if I'm listening to this and I haven't had a kid yet, I'm like, that is so long. Like what the fuck? Or even early postpartum. But there was just so much going on for me. And I think maybe it's shorter for some people. Maybe it's longer for some people. But for me, the first few months were such survival mode and like living in his world that I was really able to do that. And then when I picked my head up and I tried to like live in my world with him and like get back to work, get back to social stuff, like try to have a life outside of him. That's where I was like, I feel so fucking overwhelmed. I can't do this. And I think month eight was when it all kind of leveled out. Also, like they become more of a human. Like, look, everyone feels differently. I'm not like a newborn phase person. I really loved when he started to develop his personality and it was like a two-way street like he was kind of giving me back something like he was babbling smiling laughing like they are just more interactive and so for me 
it became so much more fun once that happened, which is why I think I love this phase we're in right now so much at 13 months because he's saying words. He's able to communicate his needs in a sense to me. He has such a fucking personality. Like doing things with him is so fun. So that for me made a huge difference. I also think that like mentally I got in a better place by month eight, which obviously plays a huge role. I loved your what the fuck is happening to my body. What has stayed different? Um, what has stayed different? Well, my hair is still a conundrum because now I have this like halo of postpartum regrowth. So like I have little like devil horn bangs and like uh, on my part is all this like mini hair sticking up. So that's still changing. I don't know how it'll officially end. My boobs have definitely, they are different. They've stayed different. Um, the nipples popped, which I've talked about on my stories. So now I guess I no longer have inverted nipples. This seems to be permanent. And just like the, if, if you've breastfed, you know, they are just not the same. Let me tell you what I'm shocked by is that they're smaller than they ever were pre-pregnancy. I was not expecting that. I thought the shape would change. I didn't think they'd get like that much smaller. Um, they, I definitely still have stretch marks on my boobs. That was like the main place I got them. So that stayed different. I think that like my hips grew a little, which like I know happens. And I'm pretty sure that's staying different. What are some other things that changed? Luckily, the like body odor, insane, like inability to sleep. Oh my God, you know what else? Restless leg syndrome. I never used to like, not twiddle my thumbs, but my feet, like constantly move them around. Never did that. When I was pregnant, it was nonstop. And still, that has stayed different. And it's very weird to me. I do not get that. Um, everything else I feel like has, like all of the other random weird shit that was happening to me when I was pregnant kind of ended, thank God, after my pregnancy. The only other thing I will say is like now my ovulation symptoms feel more intense. I don't know if that's real or if I'm just making this up in my head, but I feel like I now like really notice my cycle through like physical changes, whether it's like cramps, constipation, discharge, like those things feel more intense than they did before I was pregnant. Um, how many more children do you plan to have and when would you want to have kid number two? This is all assuming we are able to just like get pregnant, which is not at all the case for many people. I'm just putting this in the universe that like if this were the case, this is what would happen. I think ideally I would love, like I really like the three-year age difference between Maddie and I. Um, so I don't know, what is that next fall? That seems so soon, but also like, enough time so maybe then would be when we would start trying um how many children do you plan to have I had always been like I want three three is such a great number like growing up as three kids I love that it feels whole to me but let me tell you being pregnant is a lot being pregnant with kids is a whole other beast that I am terrified of also like postpartum with kids postpartum in general the expense of children goodness gracious Kids are expensive. Um, and just like the ease of life of scheduling. I don't know. So I'm not actually like 100% sold on three. I don't know. That's going to be more of like a we got to feel how two feels and decide. I think that that's also like a big piece of advice that I would tell anyone without kids yet who are interested in having them is like we 
or I can speak for myself, I am such like a planning person where it's like, this is what I want and this is what I envisioned and this and this and this and like try to lay it all out. But it is so hard to ever know like what you will do, whether it's like when you have kids because of fertility struggles or how many kids you want because of fertility struggles or because maybe they're harder than you envisioned or your life changes or all of these things. Like it's so hard to map that out. And so I would recommend if you're in a place to like, Obviously, you can have an idea of what you want, but not being too strict on yourself because shit happens and shit changes. Liam, did you just bike into this room all by yourself? Do you want to come in over here? Do you want to talk to the microphone? Come here. Oh, excuse you. Liam has this like little bike thing and I don't know where Joe is because he was watching him. Oh, hi. Oh, he was right there. And Liam just biked in. Do you want to say something to the microphone? Boop. Are you touching the mic? Say hello. Can you say mama? Mama. Yeah. Can you say dada? Dada. Dada. Can you say, um, can you say book? Book. Yeah. Can you say please? Please? No? What? book oh there's my drink can you say cheers cheers yeah cheers okay can you go back with dada so i can finish this episode and then we can go grocery shopping do you want to go back on your bike bike okay liam say bye bye to the people bye bye no okay you'll say it when you leave the room probably have fun um okay last question and then we are done fam advice for your 23 year old self I am going to do an episode reflecting on my 20s because that has been a request and every time I do an Ask Me Anything, I feel like there's questions about this. I would say, one, just be kinder to yourself. Like, I feel as I got older, I had so much more grace and gratitude for myself, but also just, like, ability to not be so hard on myself. And I think 23 exactly was when I was in the peak of, like, orthorexic, obsessive, like, really hard on myself, really intense, like very black and white. And my biggest piece of advice would be to let go. Not everything has to, like you don't have to have this chokehold on everything in your life. You can sit back a little bit and like relax a little bit and be kinder to yourself and others. Also, just continuing to trust the process in that life has many amazing things ahead for you and it doesn't have to be this obsessive I need it now behavior things take time and patience is a motherfucking virtue um and I would probably say to like focus on your mental health a little bit more girlfriend because you are not doing well and it was at this stage that I was like putting on a great facade but was not well at all um so maybe like allow yourself to be more vulnerable instead of like being nervous of what people will think of you. It's okay if someone, if like it's a, you're allowed to be vulnerable and weak. You don't always have to put on a strong face. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this one, to all of them. Truly nothing means more to me than my podcast listeners. I will say like, yes, I feel connected to the Instagram community. Yes. I feel connected to, the TikTok community, but like the podcast listeners, 
you have my fucking heart. You're my people. I love you and stay tuned for many more episodes this summer and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.